Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. This is a well-known story, um, uh, uh, parable. Uh, in Luke 15, Jesus shares three parables, and I'm going to read one, and then just read the first couple of verses. Um, I'm reading from the New King James Bible, the real Bible. <laughs> okay. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, and then he says the first parable. Is this microphone okay? It keeps cutting out. Might need to try another one if it keeps doing that. Um, so he speaks the first parable. And the first parable is about the lost sheep. I'm not going to read that one. Then he gives the second parable. The second parable is about the lost coin. Um, and I'm not going to read that one. But I'm going to read the third parable, which most of us will know. Um, he says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods and the swine that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called a son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of his servants and asked, what, are these th- uh, what do these things mean? And his servant said to him, your brothers, your brothers come and because he has received him safely, because your father has received him safely and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. And, But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, have never transgressed your commandments at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlot, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me. 
and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Amen. Uh, that's a well-known uh, story, and my perspective on it this morning is not so much going to be focused on the, the prodigal son. I want to focus on the, the older brother. Um, the context of this parable comes in verse 1 and 2. Um, and uh, he says, The tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus. So, Jesus is in a context where the religious people and sinners are drawing near to him. Jesus is spending his time with sinners. Okay? And then here comes the Pharisees and the scribes. Okay? And they were criticizing them, saying, why is this man receiving sinners? And then it says Jesus spoke these parables. So the three parables Jesus spoke actually connects with the people he was with at the time. It connects with the Pharisees and the scribes and the sinners and the tax collectors. And the way I'm looking at it is the first parable we talked about, the, the, lost, ship, the lost ship, probably connects with the sinners. The parable we talked about, the lost coin, because I'm thinking because it's money, connects more with the tax collectors. The parable of the prodigal son connects with all of them, but there's a hidden thing we don't always think about, which is the older brother. And I think the parable of the older brother connects with the Pharisees and the scribes. And I want to share with you some thoughts this morning that I believe it's very... Uh, important to understand and to begin to think about when you're involved in a move of God. See, often, when God gives prophetic assignment, it would often reveal hindrance before it shows breakthrough. When God gives us a prophetic assignment as the message trust, and Andy stands up here, shares Isaiah 60, things start to happen next door, you know, and God starts to give a vision of what he wants to do, the illuminate tour and all these things. As the vision starts to increase, God starts to reveal, okay, hindrances, things in the way that could stop that vision from manifesting in its fullness. And one of the, one of the spirits I believe that hinders the manifestation of the fullness of what God wants to do is the spirit of the older brother older brother, and I'll try to expand on that uh, in this moment. Uh, in verse 1 and 2, it says, Then the tax collectors drew near to him. The tax collectors, the sinners, and the scribes were the people Jesus really wanted to talk to. But here comes the Pharisees and the scribes, and it ends up being a case where it's more like they're eavesdropping on Jesus wanting to spend time with the sinners. And actually, I have a concept I always try to get across sometimes when I speak, especially to Christians, because I, I meet different camps of Christians where there's some Christians that spend all their time with the lost, and then there are other Christians that spend all their time with just Christians. Okay, uh, you know, you all know the saying, you know, light is more powerful when it's in darkness. You know, light is effective. The point of light is because of darkness. Light is meant to be in darkness. But there are many Christians who are struggling with certain things and they step into an atmosphere where they know they're not strong enough to deal with what's in that atmosphere. So as opposed to them influencing the atmosphere, the atmosphere is influencing them and they end up conforming to the cycle of sin and the structures of lifestyles of their friends around them and not changing the atmosphere. People look at them and say, well, these Christians are hypocritical. You know, they just live out the world and da-da-da-da. So the point is, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Because the people of God who become of the world while in the world lose their authority to change the world. 
Okay, we're called to impact the world with the message of the gospel. So if you're called to sing in a band, if you're called to preach, if you're called to be behind the desk, you're called to impact the world with the message of the gospel. The point is, is the world getting in you so much that you can't affect the world? Or are you changing the atmosphere around you? A boat will continue to remain on water as long as the water doesn't get in, right? For many people of God, the water is getting in so much, we can't be like Jesus around the sinners without becoming like them, without talking like them, without looking like them. We can be around them and not, and not act like them. In fact, that's where the testimony is. So you can be around your, your unsaved family. And the fact that you're living the way you live, you've you, you got to be bold about who you are and not be ashamed about the gospel. You don't have to preach at them all the time, but you being you and not being influenced by the way they do their things and speak and talk and slander and gossip and talk bad about each other, that in and of itself is authority. And that's a testimony. That's why Jesus could affect the sinners, because he wasn't like the sinners. And too many times I hear Christians talking about you know, being in the world, and many times some of the people I see talking about being in the world, they're already acting like the world and talking like the world and doing things of the world. How can you impact the world when you're just in the same mess they're in? And you're not living in the reality of the freedom of Christ. Okay? So that's one. Jesus was in the world, but not of the world. And then he gave these two parables. And then uh, these Pharisees and uh, scribes came. They kind of think they've got it all together. The religious spirit. So, um, the religious spirit. Here comes the religious spirit. When Jesus is trying to influence the world, the religious spirit shows up. Because the religious spirit has a form of godliness but denies the power of it. You see, the religious spirit is not playing organ in a church and singing hymns. Some people think to be religious is to be going to a church that is not very charismatic and jumping around. You could be in a church that's very hemi or whatever, and they're as free as they can be. And you can be in a church where they're jumping around and they're religious spirits. Are you with me? Religious spirit is not just about, you know, being out of the box and doing something fresh no one has seen before. You know, it's having the form of godliness but denying the power. Just doing the same old, same old. Just coming here on a Tuesday morning and just doing what we always do. Okay. Well, okay, we just raise our hands. Well, that's what we do. Or we just, we just sing a song. That's what we do. You've stepped into religious activity. Or we just, we just pray. We just say these prayers. But there's no heart connection. God is more connected. God is more concerned about the condition of your heart than your external activity before men. God is more concerned about what's going on deep down. So the religious people come and they start to criticize Jesus for spending time with the sinners. Now, Jesus shares the story about the prodigal son. And many times we focus on the guy that was lost. But I believe when Jesus shared about the guy that was lost, he probably put in the older brother because of the religious people. And you know, there are different elements and different aspects of the religious spirit or the spirit of the older brother I see myself sometimes. And it's because I've seen it myself and bringing it before you today and saying, okay, God, expose this in me, expose this in us, that I will not hinder the prophetic promise you're giving us. Are you with me? So one, once... Uh, 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 Jesus made sure he introduced the second son to make everyone around him realize, listen to this, I don't care how long you've never been the younger son. You were once the younger son. Okay? The people around him, the Pharisees, think they've got it all together. He introduces the younger son, he says, I don't care how long you've not been like the younger son and just spending and wasting all these things 
and, you know, living this lifestyle of sin. But you've once been the younger son. Everyone has been prodigal at one level or, at one level or another. Some people have been more, uh, some people's prodigal behavior has been more obvious. But it's still prodigal behavior. We look at the MEC guys, and many of them have come from broken homes and broken backgrounds and all kinds of addictions. Well, I never did drugs. I never slept around. But I was still prodigal. Okay? I could come here and act like I've got it all together, knowing that I don't have it all together. But external prodigal, being, ex- being externally prodigal and being internally prodigal is still being prodigal before God. I can easily hide my prodigal behavior, whereas he might not be able to hide his prodigal behavior, whatever it is. But God sees us all the same. And me acknowledging my prodigal behavior is a form of humility that God requires in his people. Because every so often, we tend to judge the things that are more explosive and more visible to people, but actually ignore the subtle things that in our hearts that are just as poisonous before God. Okay? The older brother comes, and look at the first thing <laughs> that happens. It says in verse 25, Now his older brother was in the field. The field is a picture of harvest. The older brother, older brother was in a position of harvest. He came out of a position of harvest, and then he heard two things. He heard music and dancing. He heard people dancing. I don't know how loud they must have been dancing, but he heard it. So there was joy and rejoicing, and he could hear it. And you see, this is one of the things I also find with the religious spirits. It, it has a problem with people rejoicing in the presence of God. He has a problem saying, well, you know, what's all the jumping around for? You know, why are you being, you know, why are you being all extra at me? Why, why do you have to shout? God is right next to you. You don't have to shout. Well, when you were watching the football and whatever team you supported scored, did you shout? How come is it that in the, in this culture in the West, we're easily excited about things of the world and we have things of God and we criticize people who are wanting to be excited about things of, of God and call them super spiritual and, you know, holier than thou. We label them all kinds of things to excuse our dysfunction and our lack of right perspective before God. It's okay to dance before God. It's okay to jump around and be crazy before God. And the religious spirit would like to stand against that. And this guy is rejoicing because salvation is taking place (laughs) he was once dead now he's alive and there's joy that's released and all of a sudden the religious spirit comes and say you know you don't need to jump around like that you don't need to do things like that you know you know just chill out i'm not gonna chill out (laughs) this stuff is burning in my bones and this god is real and i'm gonna give him my best and i don't care what people say God deserves my best worship and God deserves your best worship. And it's not just in song, it's lifestyle. But songs and dancing are expression of worship to God. David, David danced before the Lord. In fact, yesterday I was on, I was, I, I, I was on Facebook and I saw this video. I posted it on Jane, I, I, I tagged Jane in it. And I watched this video and I was so moved because, um, I wish I could show it. Maybe I should have actually got it prepared. It's like some African village somewhere. And, um, oh my gosh, time is gone. <laughs> Didn't realize how much time It's an African village somewhere. And, uh, uh, these guys were just worshiping. They had, uh, 
like a drum kit that he just made out of stuff. <laughs> it was so funny to watch, really. He just made this drum kit out of stuff. All these instruments that look so primitive. But when you look at their faces, there was so much joy. And there was so much celebration. And there was like real worship just going on. And I was thinking to myself, I'm so moved. These guys have nothing, but there's such a reality of worship going on. We have the drums, the keyboards, the sound, the everything. And most times we come before God and there's just a lack of connection with the God we're worshiping. And I was just so challenged by that. If you're not securing your relationship with God, guess what? You're not going to be able to function in love correctly in this workplace. People say things to you, you get offended. People do things, you get carried away and you carry offense for months and years and it's deep down in your heart, you don't talk to certain people. Guess what? Because you're not secure in the love of the Father, you can't love your brother. That's the spirit of the older brother manifesting there. And that's going to stifle and kill the move of God in this place. Because if we're not one in love and in unity, no one is perfect. People are going to annoy you. But you've got to be able to be so secure in the love that God has for you that you're able to let things go and talk to people face to face. Stop gossiping. Someone annoys you. Why do you have to go to someone else and tell that person annoys me and that, what they did, what they did? And you can't go straight to them face to face and say, this is what happened. Guess what happens? That's so in strife. How can God move in that atmosphere? We have all these great promises, but yet we're working with an atmosphere that's reflecting the kingdom of darkness. And we expect God to manifest his greatness and fullness through us. It's not going to happen. We have to sort our relationship with each other. So one, he was not secure in his relationship with the father. And then the second point, he says, these many years I've been serving you and I never transgressed any of your commandments. Verse 29, he says that to his father. The older brother says to his father, I've been serving you all these years and I've never transgressed your commandment. That's a lie. This is a parable. It's not true. It's a parable. He says, I've never. So he's standing in his self-righteousness. He's saying, I've never transgressed your commandment. Whereas he has transgressed his commandment. It was just inward. He wanted his younger brother to have consequence for his public sin. But he didn't want to have consequence for his private sin. He thought it was okay that he could harbor jealousy and envy in his heart. No one saw it, but God saw it. He thought it was okay. But the guy who slept around, he should be punished. The guy who spent all the money, he should be punished. Oh, he's done way worse than me. And we have these grades of sin. No, really, sin is sin before God. If I have jealousy in my heart before God, it's just as bad as someone who's sleeping around before God. If I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart before God, it's just as bad as someone who's having drugs and addictions and can't hold their family together. In God's heart, it is sin. Sin is sin. And we've got to have the same view that God has. Not holding on to our self-righteousness. And I love this. Because what the, the elder, uh, 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 what the uh, father ends up doing is, you, you see, the, the younger son had been staying with pigs. So his coat smelled of pigs. The elder brother had his own coat of self-righteousness. But the one who admitted where he was, the father was able to give to him the true robe of righteousness. Took away the stinking pig coat and gave him what he did not deserve. Gave the boy what he should have been wearing. Corinthians, what does it say? He only knows him became same that we may be made the righteousness of God. We've all been made righteous and it's not because of our good works or our good deeds. Can you see the spirit of the older brother? Because I've seen it in me many times. God starts to raise people up here. Maybe Andy starts to give them favor. 
they start to do things all of a sudden. Why them? You think you're more qualified or you're better to be doing that. Why not in that moment admit what's just happened? Okay, I felt, I felt that. This is how I deal with it. I felt it, God. I felt envy. I felt jealousy, but I'm not going to let it stay there. I'm not going to let it stay there. I'm going to work in the opposite spirit, and I'm going to make sure that thing dies. I'm exposing it before you. Because sin always has sin. Uh, sorry, sin always has authority when it's in darkness, when it's hidden, and it's covered up, and it's excused away. So I'm finished now. If you have, if you're the younger son, and you're struggling with the older brother, I've got news for you. You've got another new older brother. And his name is Jesus. You don't have to put up with the older brother that doesn't like you. You just have to be yourself before God. You've got, the Bible talks about Jesus as our elder brother. First born, first born among many. That's what the Bible says. If you're struggling with the older brother spirit, it's time to deal with it. Because you know what? It's going to stifle what God wants to do here. You don't have to, see, this is what many people don't understand. You don't have to be having influence on the platform here to have influence in this place. You, where you are right now, you have an influence in this ministry. And if you're not stewarding your influence right, you're affecting what God wants to do here. Because you carry something. You're anointed of God. And when you're not living right with God, or when you're not living right with your brother or your sister, whoever it is, and you come into this place to worship, guess what? We're just deceiving you're deceiving yourself because true worship has to be not just vertical but horizontal. You're right with the people around you. Okay? I think I'm going to just round up here because it's 10 o'clock already. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 